What up, what up, what up? You tuned into the Jose Morales podcast where we talk sports, business, and everything in between. I'm your host, Jose Morales, and we're at my boxing academy. Joining me in the ring today is my man, Frank, a.k.a. Mr. Pickles, the sandwich man. <laughs> hey, and um, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Been wanting to be on here for a while. Yeah, it's a pleasure of, of mine to have you on here just because so many things. Um, the conversations you had with me, the knowledge you shared with me. And uh, those that do not know, I've been knowing Frank now close to 10 years or something like that. And, um, and I've known, and the way I've, uh, Frank and I met, we met teaching, I was teaching him boxing. Um, he, he used to go with this guy named Kenny back in the Kenny era days. That's what he called it. And, uh, he would go to the gym. And for, for, before I say any of this, I want to share this. First time I met them, it was in Folsom. Remember Folsom? Folsom. Yep. yep. It was at Folsom. He came in, Frank, bald head, mean looking guy. <laughs> and he had this guy, Kenny, tatted up. You remember Kenny? Yeah. Kenny tatted up. He had swastikas and everything. <laughs> I remember the swastikas. And I just remember being like, oh, shit. My man, Kenny, over here. If I say one bad thing, Kenny may not. And uh, and they were just fucking genuine, man. Just pure love. Remember? Do you remember the day I was gonna move, and you brought me a cake? You know what? I do, do not. I apologize. Do I remember? wish I do. I wish you I brought did. Brought me a cake. I will never forget. The yeah, cake. right on. The cake said, "We're gonna miss you, Jose." And then it had the time of the class, five thirty a.m. And it, that small detail, man, was just. Obviously, I still remember it. Ten years later, that's how much of an impact it made of how sweet you were that day that it was going to be my last day teaching at that gym. So little things like that throughout the time we kept in contact. Um, my man Frank is also one of the guys that I talked to a lot when I was getting ready to open the gym, getting ready to go in business on my own for the first time. Frank is one of the guys that was kind of prepping me up as far as what to look for. What's going on? And I actually just talked about you in a podcast. I don't know if you heard it. I actually talked about you on one of the podcasts where I talked about uh, the conversations I had with you. The Do you remember what you recommended to me to do as far as gym? You remember the gym you told me to go look at? I told you to look at uh, Nine Round. Yeah. Yeah. You told me. He told me you should go look at Nine Round. And I remember you were telling me the ideas. Great ideas, by the way. And um, But, yeah, I talked about that. I talked about all the conversations we had all, all what do you think about uh what did you think about me at the time when i was saying i was going to do that to where you you kind of actually got to see it firsthand evolve how did that how did it turn out for you how did how, how was the whole process to you share well you know um fortunately you know or, or i'm blessed that people come to me and they ask me questions and they ask me about business advice and you know a lot of people you know in their mind they want success and in their mind they want to be there but they don't understand what it's going to take and the hurdles and uh, what they're going to have to overcome so i have multiple multiple conversations and um, through my learning curve, I've kind of told people, you know, I try to like get get to the point, figure out what they're looking for, what they're trying to achieve. I think where what, what I didn't understand about you was that, in a, even taking your class, is that you had a vision and 
you had something that you want to do different and do better, which is really the road to success. And when I suggest something like nine round, I was thinking something that could be multiplied or quantified or, or that people could have 10, 15, 20, 30 of them. And, and after taking your class there and then taking your class here, I realized that it wasn't about money, money, money. It was about trying to achieve something, make people better and give a personal touch to it. So you weren't looking to be uh, the businessman of the year, even though that wouldn't bother you. You were looking to give a personal touch, personal training, and make the world a better place one person at a time. It's what I see now. It's what I didn't see then. And when I go into nine round, because there's one in Rockland, I, I know the difference because I've done the training here and I've done the training there. That's more mechanical and it, it, it's great and it has its way, but it doesn't have that same heart and feel that you get when you come to your class. And it's just a major difference. So, you know, how to take something like this and grow it to a kingdom, I don't know. I mean, because we're going to so, make it happen. I know. And it's so much about you. Mm-hmm. It's about you and what you put into it. And you're going to have to really stretch yourself really thin yeah. and be you stronger and harder. And, you know, and, and and you will because you got here and you're doing this and then you're going to the next step. Yep. Thank you for sharing that. Hey, I don't know what it is about me, but I've always wanted to take the hardest route because I, 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 mo- I, and I don't know if it's necessarily um, the smartest thing to do, but I enjoy doing something that has not done before, that no one can do, no one has done. A lot of people don't do that because it's hard. Uh, a lot of people want to go, for example, Mayweather uh, started a Mayweather boxing gym Rumble, all these gyms that they spread out throw out the whole nation, left and right. Great money maker, fun, quick, similar to night round, because it's the easy way to go about it, and it makes great money. But what I want to do with this is make an impact in the community and and in every person that I come across while growing, which is a lot harder, a lot harder. But if you teach. And you know how to really bring the best out of people. It's very doable. Very hard, but it's doable. There's a million things, a billion cliches that could be said. But you know what? If being successful is easy, everyone would do do it. it. Right. Exactly. Everyone would just do it. And I, I haven't been privy to the Mayweather thing. But like we talked about with nine round, there's money, money, money. Get yeah. it right. Money, you know, money is the key to end all your woes. Right. Whatever. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it makes life easier. But you know what? When it's all said and done, really, what difference did you make? What impact did you make? How did you affect people in a positive way? It's funny because I don't know where my keys are half the time. I forget <laughs> to zip up my pants. I, I don't know where anything is. I, I, I kind of get, you know, all over the places sometimes. But you know what? I remember my six my six year old baseball coach and I remember my nine year old basketball coach and I remember every football coach I've ever talked to and I remember the words that the mentor say to me and it rings in my head all day, every day, these men and these women that took time to talk to me and make little differences in all the different aspects of what we've done in business and in sports. And I think when you're doing something personal like this, they could have a day or they could have a moment or they could have uh, a breakthrough that could last them forever. One statement, one day, one victory, one loss could make a huge difference in their life. And, and you could be a huge part of it, but that's going to be part of your legacy. You know what? Mm-hmm. Here lies Jose. 
what was he about? Yep. He did this, he did that, he made a difference here. He, you know, uh, on another note, I remember training with you and asking you not to bring me to that place of I feel like I just can't push any further. And what I learned is that you just can't not. <laughs> you, know, you you just have to bring you to the place where you're lying down and i remember after one of your classes lying down and there was a pool of someone else's sweat and someone says you're lying in a pool of someone else's sweat and i said i don't even care i don't even care i just want i just i want to lie here you know i i went to that place of the end i went to the very tip mm. of where i could go physically regardless of where that is on a scale from one to ten and where it measures up to others i know for me it's one of those things I say, hey man, take it easy. I want to. I just want to go. You know, get get through this. I want to stretch and I want to get some workout. But it's your nature to bring people to their maximum point. Mm-hmm. And as as much as you hate it, when you're done and you go to your car, you know you left it on the mat and you feel good about it. Yep. And that's what you do different, and that's what you do better than anybody is you know how to bring someone right to that point, especially when you're on a one-on-one, me and you basis. Yep. Thank you for saying that, man. That's very true. Thank you for sharing that story. Uh, I think we beat uh, Sia Gaze's intro. There's a long intro. But what we're going to talk about today oh. is we're going to talk about, Frank, your, how did you get to where you are? Tell us, tell everybody, what do you do? How many, how many Mr. Pickles are out there? Tell us, give us your, your, back, your background. Give, tell me. Well, when, when I was eight years old, I was raised in Daly City, California. Mm-hmm. I have uh, four boys. San Francisco, the, the mm. gateway to the peninsula, Daly City. Uh, four boys, two girls, single mother. A lot of, you know, it was the 70s. It was a unique time and very, very, I just say, poor. Very, very, you know, it was, it was, it was rough. It was, it was a, a rough day. And when I was eight years old, I got lucky because some of the two gentlemen from the neighborhood gave me a job for a dollar an hour. So every day... When I was eight years old, from eight to fourteen, I worked at the local deli liquor store from eight from six to nine o'clock, and they let me dust the bottles and do the beer cooler and sweep and mop and close on the deli thing. And by the time I was ten, I was cutting meats. By the time I was twelve, I was working the register. So I was able to. They only they then they mentored me. They took me to their softball games. They took me to their bowling leagues. It was the seventies. It was the 70s. It was a unique time for I was eight, nine years old, hanging out with 20, 21, 22, 23-year-old guys. And they talked to me, and they took time with me, and they made sure that I was okay. And they bought me bikes, and they'd buy me jerseys, and they'd buy me shoes, and they'd buy me socks. And they gave me work, and they, they took a lot of time, and it made a big difference. So from 14 through 25, I was... Uh, working at pizza parlors and delivering flowers and working at delis and doing bread routes. And I was a valet at the San Francisco Hyatt five-star hotel. And I was a union driver for Kilpatrick's, but I went to a deli and I went to a deli in San Mateo in 1995. And the lady was less than cordial, kind of rude. And I'm very into service, always have been into service, service, service. So, so, um, I, the lady was less than cordial to me, and I thought, you know what? I could do this better. I could do this better. I could treat people well that come through my door because I knew Delhi because I was raised in Delhi. So I decided to open up my first Mr. Pickles in 1995 in San Mateo, California. I bought a pizza parlor for $11,000. I put $33,000 into it, 
And um, the first year was not good. It was not good at all. And the second year wasn't much better. But I opened up on Sundays. And when I opened up on the first Sunday, we did $39 in total sales. And, you know, $39 for an eight hours on a register is not very good. No, so I'd say, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'd say that, you know, I'd say that probably 9,999 people would have said, I'm not going to open up on Sundays because there's no business. But I was single with no children. So I said, you know what, I'm going to open up on Sundays and we'll watch football. And my friends will come by and we'll eat and we'll just hang out and we'll see what we could do. And Sundays is just a tremendous day now, but because we didn't quit, because I didn't quit. Because I said, hey, we can, we're going to fight through this day. So after the first store, we, a friend of mine wanted one, so I built him one. And then another friend of mine wanted one, so I built him one. And another guy wanted to use my name, so I sold him the rights to use my name, which I wouldn't recommend doing. You know what? There's you know there's one Jose Morales, right? Keep your name; it's for yourself. And um, so this was with the pizza partner. The the what's that? This was the sandwich or pizza. This is a sandwich. Okay, this, this is so Mr. This, Pickles. So this so, is already Mr. Yeah, Pickles. So now, I started. Now, now we have four of them, and then I ended up doing that seventeen times. Can, can let me rewind for a little bit. How did you get the money at the beginning to start funding these? How did that happen? You know, I worked my whole life. I worked at, I was a um Because I think that's one of the biggest problems people start off with. And I know that was one of you my know, problems. Like, um, how do I there was, a, there, was a, there was a lot of times that, that even though I wasn't uh, broke, I would pretend that I was. And I would just put away the money and put away the money and put away the money. And, um, it, you Sooner know, what, later it, you had it, money. Well, it wasn't that big of an investment. It was $45,000. Yeah. So there wasn't a lot of risk in that, you know, I, and though I was single the whole time. A lot of people get married young, you know, mm-hmm. I was 25, I've been working since I was eight, you know, so money really wasn't my issue as much. Mm-hmm. It was, um, finding a focus of something I really want to do because unfortunately for me, I don't like to be told what to do. So sit in front of the, of the, of the, Hyatt, which was a union job, it was a teamster job. It was twenty three ninety five an hour, full medical, full dental, and two to three hundred dollars a day cash tips. And it was nineteen eighty seven. But you had to wear a cummerbund and a tie and stand at attention. I don't like to be told what to do. I never like to be told what to do. So I knew that I knew in my heart I really wasn't employable because I knew I had to work for myself. So I worked for all these jobs. I was a bread driver, which was another good teamster job, great job, great pay. Jobs that men of families do for their whole life. And I'm a young man doing these jobs. These great, great pay. And really, you know, all I wanted to do was get through my day and go on and play softball at night and go out with my friends and go hang out and go lift weights. And, and Typical pe- person. Yeah, yeah. Everyone was like that. But, I mean, but working was just like something I had to do. There was nothing. I said, oh, man, I love my job. I'm having a good time. These are all mm-hmm. great jobs that people make a career of. But I knew that it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. So I was able to just put away the money and and – uh, you know, I got a really, really good deal because I had a good friend of mine build it for me for almost nothing, mm. for almost free. He just helped me out. You know? Yeah, so, it's the way the people you knew. It's not what you know, yeah, it's who you know. So yeah. these guys are really to put in the floors, put in the walls, put in the counter. How did you know that's gold. what you wanted to do? How did the sandwich stuff come about? Like, I know you've worked at a deli since you were eight, but what? how do you know that was in your heart? Like, that's what you really liked. How did What, what happened that convinced you that, yeah, this is what I want to do? Well, because it's the one thing that I have knowledge on, 
mm-hmm. and it's the one thing that I was passionate about, and it's the one thing as a consumer I knew like what I wanted. I know I'm a great customer. I know I know good bread. I know good meat. I know what best foods mayonnaise is important. I know that what kind of produce I want, and as much as I know what I want, I know what I don't want. Is I I, I didn't want belly food. I didn't want uh, lower level off-brand, cheap bread, cheap meat. This was about, I wanted to build the Mercedes-Benz of the BMW sandwiches. That's what I want to do. I want to build a better sandwich. I don't drink wine, but I do drink champagne once in a while, and I don't know what that says about me. But you know what? You could buy a $4 bottle of cold duck from 7-Eleven, or you could buy a $220 bottle of White Star. And when you, what's the difference? One champagne, the other champagne. But you know what? There's a difference in the way you feel. There's a difference in the way it finishes. There's a difference in the way um, your the, the 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 high it gives you, and there's a difference in the way you feel the next day. And mm. that's what I wanted to do with sandwiches: is I wanted people to eat the food, and I wanted them to say, "Oh my God, that was phenomenal! How did it taste? How did it look? How did it finish?" I knew that going in because I had not only been in Delhi. I had seen a lot of good places and a lot of bad places. And being born and raised in San Francisco on the peninsula, fortunately we have a lot of good bread because it's San Francisco. So we have good delis and we have bad delis. And the difference, the major difference is service. So what I did is I made a decision that I had in my mind everybody that walked through my door wanted to feel special. So they had a hat on their head that you couldn't see. It said, I want to feel special today. And it was my job to make them feel special. Whether you were four or 80 years old, it was my job to make you feel special when you walked in my door. And that was always the mantra and it still is today. Now we have 62 Mr. Pickles, 50 in my franchise, 12 licenses. They are taught that. They are trained that. They know that. Do they do that? I don't know. We do 3.2 to 3.5 million sandwiches a year. So, I mean, there's going to be service issues. There's going to be issues one way or another. But the idea is that everybody that walks in is special. They want it made to be filled special. And you want to give them a great product and make them feel good about being there. And make sure you put napkins in the bag and say hello and say thank you. That's the concept. Yeah. That's very similar to how I feel about boxing. I've been around a lot of boxing gyms. I taught a boxing gyms. I saw different trainers, different this, and I saw the same thing. I was like you. I'm like I'm big on service. I see what a some a boxer. I, I see what a boxer needs. I see what somebody that soccer mom needs. I see what a little kid needs, a teenager needs. I want to provide those needs. I want to be that person. Similar, I almost identical story that you had is the same story that. In the way, in the same way, I felt about boxing. That's what I wanted to do, and this is what I'm doing. So, hearing this motivates me even more. Thank you. We want, we want to, we want to do something different, and we want to do something better, mm-hmm. right? Well, see what what they're what they're short on and do it. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and really, that that is a a, a, a better road to differentiate from the pack. Mm-hmm. So you said you have uh, twelve licensing 50 franchises what separated the, those from doing licensing the franchises why did you pick those can you go into detail yeah about that? absolutely so when i opened up i was a license meaning i licensed someone to use my name mm-hmm. 
And we had 17 of them, maybe 18. And what happened is I, where I went wrong or where I made the mistake, and trust me, I made thousands and thousands and thousands of them. You know, I fumble balls and I score touchdowns either, both ways, but I touch the ball a lot. Is, <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> you know, hey, I but, like that. But um, the, the, um, the difference is, is that you give people your name, the right to use your name, and I thought they were going to care like me. Mm-hmm. I thought they were going to have pride like me. I thought they were going to care about display and cleanliness and consistency and, and quality. And I was wrong because they don't. Some people only care about money. Some people only care about title. Some people are lazy. Some people say what they want to get what they want. Then they change what they're doing, you know, which is part of this is all human nature. So what happened is I had 17 of them, right? And they started to run amok and people were doing some pretty screwy stuff. And it's my name. And they're doing screwy stuff. And so I went to an attorney and said, how can I make them stop? He said, you can't because you licensed it. You gave them the right to use the name. So they don't have the right to transfer it. They don't have the right to sell it, but they have the right to use it until they go to sell it. Then they would need my permission to sell it or they need to take the name down, which we've closed down over 50 stores. So what happened is in 2005, I decided to franchise when you franchise, you put together what's called a standard operating procedure. And you have to, you have to really, really master everything that you do. These are, this is your opening list. This is your prep list. This is your serving list. This is your afternoon list. This is your closing list. This is how, these are our operating procedures. These are our specs. These are our standards. You have to really, 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 truly understand every aspect of your business. And not only do you have to write it on down, then you got to teach it, train it, then you got to enforce it. Now, unfortunately, once again, another mistake. In 2005, I decided to franchise without really, really understanding franchise. Life's killing you. Without really, underst- without really understanding what franchising is, right? So I franchised without understanding franchising. And then, good, bad, or indifferent. If you remember 2005, 2006, oh, or 2007, fly, fly is rough. I'm glad it's you and not me. I'd be going <laughs> nuts. In 2005, 2006, 2007, what you might remember was the world was on fire. We were yeah. killing it. Oh, my God. House values were up. Everyone was flush. Everyone was a real estate agent. Everyone was a, 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 a loaning money. Everyone was putting trailers on their jet skis, on their boat that matched their truck, whatever. It's all fake money, right? And then, and then so I sold 34 stores. I opened up 34 stores in two and a half years, which is a lot. One-man gang. I, was, I, I, I owned the company by myself. I had one employee that worked for me. That was it. So I built, trained, sold 34 stores in two and a half years. What happens when you do that? You make a lot of mistakes, more mistakes, bad decisions, right? You say, okay, I'm going to make all this money. Well, you know what? It's like, you know, making love to the devil. It's bad because you get the money and then you're going to pay later, you know? So, uh, in 2000, then I I opened up all those stores, right? And then the stores kept coming and then the bottom drops out, right? Yeah, the recession comes, right? And then what happens is people start to struggle. But a lot of times when people start to struggle, they got to find someone to blame, right? So then it goes into this thing, you, 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 this whole thing, right? It's all learning curve. And after all these years in 2020, and what a year it is, is you, you kind of learn that it's not personal. When you think it's personal, you think what's going on is personal. It's not personal. It's just the way people are. And you understand that that, that they might be tired or they might be frustrated, or they might be in over their head, or they might be having trouble with themselves. And it, so that whatever goes on, you take personal. It's not personal. It's just business. But it's hard not to take it personal. I'm sure if you ever have a situation, 
you're thinking, hey, they're 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 talking about me, they're like, whatever. No, they're not. They're just frustrated, and it takes a long time to learn that they're just frustrated at their situation. But also, what happens is, I think people, some people, give themselves a lot of credit, and they think they're going to be able to do things, and they're going to be able to handle, and they say, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll do whatever it takes until whatever it takes comes. And then they can't do whatever it takes. And then they're disappointed or they're worried or they're frustrated. And then they behave in a certain manner because they realize that they, they, they can't handle any situation. And they can't do whatever it takes. So that's all part of the learning curve. That's all part of the, I've been, what, I don't know, I'm do the math. I, I got 25, 26 years in this, right? It took 25 years to learn this where I don't get frustrated as much and I don't get upset as much and realize I just got to make better decisions. I just got to do a better job. I just got to do better on who I led in my life. I just got to do a better job of who I sell to. And I just got to do a better job of handling these situations. And yeah, be I more picky on who you decide to That's right. run That's right. the business with your name. You, you know what? You really, really, do, I tell these people when, they don't like, when they're going to hire someone, I say, Make sure you want that person in your life. Even if you're hiring them, they're in your life. They're in your business. Now, one thing that's kind of interesting is a way I try to explain to people, because you see people own businesses, right? Mm. And sometimes these businesses cost 150000 200000 300000 400000 600000 right? Some of these businesses cost, let's just say 300000 and they'll put like some clown at the register, right? And I'll say to them, I'll go, you know, I want you to think of your business as a $300,000 red Ferrari. I said, that's a $300,000 car. Are you going to let that kid drive your car? No. Are you going to let that kid throw garbage on the floor? No. I'm going to keep my Ferrari real nice. I said, well, then why won't you do that for your business? Because not only is this a $300,000 Ferrari, it's a Ferrari that provides for your wife and your children. Wouldn't you want to cherish that? Don't you want to be real particular about who you let in your business, who you let drive your car? I never thought about it that way. I said, well, you should think of it that way because this is your investment. This is your life. And this provides for your family. You need to take care of this. You need to care about this. Mm-hmm. This isn't about being a boss. This is about doing a good job and working real hard and, and having pride. So when you go into business and you see these people working, you're like, what's the owner thinking? Why is he letting this guy be or this gal be part of his business? Yeah. It's, it's just a, it's, I never looked at it that way, but I do see, I do see that. It is very important, but I never use that Ferrari analogy, and I love it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna copy you on that. Because you know, like if it was, they'd be like, oh, "That's my car," and they'd mm. wash it, and they'd wax it, and they'd treat it beautiful, right? But, but they're not know, doing it to their business. They, they should exactly. But why, why not for their business? That, that's how I see it. I've always, always taken a lot of pride in cleanliness and display and colors and lighting and temperature. Because just like your gym, right? People walk in. You know what? People walk into business. They want to feel like they're somewhere. When they leave, they want to feel like they left some place. Difference being the cleanliness, the music, the air temperature, the decor, the ambiance, and the energy. Those are things that you can control in your business. You can't control the tsunami. You can't control what goes on out in the world, but you can control what goes on in your four walls. Very damn true. Wow. So... I'm gonna. Ask, I ask this question to a lot of business owners, especially that are growing or successful. I feel like a lot of people. I mean, I feel like it happens. It's part of business. A lot of relationships get ruined throughout the process. How How do you handle? How did you handle? Or 
tell me about th- that time because that's part of a part of growing pains, I believe. Oh my god! I, I mean, words cannot explain. I mean, they say don't mix business and pleasure, and you should not. Do not involve, in my opinion, you want to involve family in your business because you think they look out for you and they have your best interest. But really. It's really a delicate balance, right? Because you got to make sure that, you know, that there's not jealousy or there's not envy and those deadly sins that mm-hmm. come into this whole thing. And, 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 you know, as much as you want to treat all the people in your business with respect and you want to treat them well, everyone, you want to treat your drivers well, you want to treat your landlord well, you want mm-hmm. to treat your employees well. Honestly, they're not your friends. It's a working relationship. And you got to learn that, you know what, if you're going to have them over your house or you're going to go out with them or you're going to have personal relations with them, then you're, 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 you're on a line. And with that line, there's, there's a lot of bad things that can happen. And there's a lot, of rela- a lot of relationships that have not worked out for me. But, you know, my wife, she's a very calming, calming person for me. And she'll always, you know, try to bring me back down. She's really good that way. And she'll say, you know, like... You know, they're, 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 you can't do this. You're, you're, you're gonna. It's gonna cause you problems. And she'll talk to me about if I'd go out. I'd say, "Well, oh, no, we're cool." And then they say, "I'd say we need to perform." And they'd say, "Oh, you know, I was out with you till four in the morning." And I'd say, "You know what? I know, but it's time now. We gotta work." And they're like, "You have to have more compassion for me." I'm like, "We have to work, Joe. I know. I, I was with you." And all we got to do is get to four o'clock and we can go lie down. But right now we got to push through. So you got to, you know, you got to keep them at arm's length and try not to mix friends in your business and try not to mix family in your business if you can. However, you know, seems like um, um, moms can be an asset in a certain way. But, you know, my wife is actually smarter than me and more well thought out and she's actually better at this job than I am. I'm really more of the of the sizzle and she's more of the steak. But you know, I wouldn't recommend, you know, working with your wife and I wouldn't recommend your discussions at home and pillow talk be about work. Yeah. I, I just I just think the downside far away is the upside because in my opinion you know, men and women see things differently. It doesn't mean anyone's right. It doesn't mean anyone's wrong. You know, there'll be more what if, and you'll be more ready, shoot, aim, right? Like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And they're like, what if, what if, what if? Those are two different mindsets. And it's mm-hmm. better that, you know, that 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 you do yours and they do theirs, and then you could talk about that and the other thing. But mixing relationships and mixing family with business, I've seen way 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 more downside and someone might have this great success story but i'd say it's probably less than 15 percent of positive and more 85 percent of things that Turned you probably bad. wish you didn't do mm-hmm. how did you handle it though when a relationship went bad how, how did, did it ever a lot of anger a lot of frustration a lot of questioning a lot of not understanding right just really just not understanding like how did this happen? How did I get here? Why are they feeling this way? Why did it get here? That it, no, I, I, you know what? You go through these emotions, right? And then, you, you know, you, you realize that you know. Here's the deal, right? The person that does the best is going to make other people mad, and they're yeah. going to find reasons instead of looking in, right? They're going to say, "Well, the reason that I'm not successful is because you did this, or you did this, or you did this." And something I would always say to anybody, right? Because I know where I came from, and I know that, you know, hey, listen, 
I was raised off powdered milk made with Daily City tap water, hand stirred when I was five years old. So uh, you know what? If I got out of that mess, right? Anyone, we we all didn't have a level playing field, but we all had the same opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to make I don't want to make the mistake here because I have a lot of things in my mind. But this guy said, we all have the right to equal opportunities, mm-hmm. but none of us have the right to equal outcomes, right? We all have the ability, or no, we all, we all have the right to do it. You look what you're doing, look what I'm doing, look what some of the people that I know that are doing it, right? Is But everybody's like, well, how come I'm not getting that outcome? You know what? Because besides everything else, there's some luck involved. Mm. And there's some, you know, you got to be fortunate, whatever. But, you know, with all that we're going into today, we're not going to, we're not going to talk the outlay of what's going on in society right now. But I took my sons, I took my sons and I said, you know what? Regardless of whatever happens, whatever happens going forward. Realize that you guys could work yourself through this. You guys got to work harder. That means we might need to get up earlier and we might have to stay up later. And we have to do a better job. But it doesn't matter who's in control. We're going to control what we do by, by, by doing a better job with our day and doing a better job with the execution of our day. Mm-hmm. That's what the difference we're going to make. And that's going to be, and if you do, then that's fine. But as he said in uh, White Man Can't Jump, there ain't no view in the Vista View apartments, yeah. right? So you, depending on where you want to live, right? Do you want to live on the hill or do you not want to live on the hill? What do you want to do? How hard are you willing to work? What are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to give up? Mm-hmm. That's the difference, right? And, and, and with, with all of this going on is, is here's the thing. I leave my house at, I'm not soapbox. I'm telling you the truth. I leave my house at 6 a.m., I'd work till nine, and then I'd go leave my house again at five thirty six a.m. Right, so I had at one point I had uh, four babies out of five, four, two, and one. You know what? And I I had all the stores that I was building at the same time, same time all these building all these stores, same time as having all these babies. Right. <laughs> so so you know you know how I got to spend time with my babies, my wife would bring them to to my work. And I got to sit down with my babies, and I got to see them. And when it came time for their first step. And she called me and go, they're going to walk. And I drive home real quick and get to catch their first step. And then by the time they got to school, when you're self-employed, you know, there's a lot of downside, but there is upside, right? Because I've never missed a Halloween parade, ever. I never missed uh, award ceremony. I never missed uh, what went on after school when they were doing things. And my kids have been playing baseball, basketball, football, and soccer from the time they were four years old. And from four Till now, one is uh, almost 16. I've missed three and a half games because it doesn't matter where I'm at. I fly home. Mm-hmm. If my son plays a three o'clock game, I'm on the one o'clock flight. I'll fly home from LA. I'll buzz to the game. I might miss 10 minutes. That's why I say half. Uh, when you're self employed, I don't miss the games. I don't miss the award ceremonies. I don't miss the rallies. I don't miss their events. Uh, but I had to put in 20 years of work in to order to get there. Yep. I didn't get to do that on. On the first year or the second year, and I could say, "Oh, you, you know how many weddings I missed? You know how many baby parties I missed? We didn't even go on a honeymoon because we're too busy. We got we're too busy. We had too much work." She said, "We're going on a honeymoon later. We're going on a honeymoon later." So I think the other but day, the I, sacrifices paid paid out. Oh, unbelievable! You know what? They're back and loaded. But mm. see, the problem is, as you know. Everybody wants things to be front and loaded. They want to be the first thing they do. They get a store. The first thing they do is buy a truck. They're a brand new Dodge truck. And the second thing they do 
is go to Hawaii all the time. You're like, oh, I could own one of these stores. You get a new truck and a trip to Hawaii if you buy one of these stores. Nah, you know what? You know what he said in Scarface. First you get the money, then you get the power. Right? You gotta you gotta work and then you can be in control. Mm-hmm. And the problem is everybody wants to be boss first. And you can't be boss, you'd be boss by earning boss. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between Mr. Pickles and all the other sandwich places and all the other well, tell us the difference. What's the difference of Mr. Pickles? What separates you from everybody else? The 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 idea is supposed to be the combination of quality and consistency and service and professionalism. That was the idea, and that's what's supposed to separate us. What currently separates us, I would say that that be that. I mean, we have, we use high-end product. We're the only, we have 60 stores, right? We don't use uh, discount stuff. We use best food mayonnaise. It's $14 a gallon, $12 a gallon. People, Other people use $5 a gallon, right? Trust me, there's a difference in $5 mayonnaise and $14 mayonnaise. There's a difference in olive oil and extra virgin olive oil. There's a difference in the kind of tomatoes you use. We use... Real avocados. We use number one Haas avocados. People use av- pulp. They use a pulp, like it's a pulp mix, right? We use just, just we use two muscle center cut meats. We use high high end product, and that is the difference. And that's yeah, the quality because, of, of. Well, I mean, when you go into other places, right? When you go into other other things, they they take a a, a franchise fee, right? I'm sorry, a royalty. They take a percentage to register, right? And they take a high percentage. So you get a, 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 sandwich, a sandwich chain. I'm not going to drop the name, but they might take 8% plus 5%. So they take 13% of your take every day. 13% of everything goes in there, they take. We only take 5 And And the reason is, the reason that, that they, they take 13 how do you make it up? Because your fixed cost is your fixed cost, right? Your, your labor is your labor. You, those are tough, th- tough things to control. They can only make it up by cutting their quality. So they got to get a low cost of goods so that way they could take more. We decided to take less and use high quality stuff. We went another direction. So instead of, you know, uh, skinning that sheep, you know, you just you just go through your business, right? Mm-hmm. And you make sure that, that you get a good deal and they get a good deal. And something that I'm lucky now, all I do now is sell wins. I'm selling you a win and the opportunity, and you're selling me a win to be to be invested in your you and in the opportunity. So if I if you don't feel you're winning, then I don't want you to be part of it. I'm not going to let you make a bad decision because if you're losing, I'm going to lose, and I I can't have that. So we're just selling wins, and the difference is now is we're doing our best to pick better people, sell wins, and we put together a better formula, and that's why currently. Our, our business is doing better than ever in history as we sit here today, wow. even with all this going COVID. on, you know this even bullshit. with COVID. Yeah. How you handle, how did you handle this whole COVID time for your business? What did you have to change or what did you change? Great question. I currently am not in operations of the stores. My wife runs the company. So I work on outside sales and I work on branding and franchising in the stores, we had to obviously put on the mask, do our protocol with the testing, with the temperatures, put up the plexiglass, uh, make sure we do a, a stronger job of the of the sanitation, 
Um, we had to close down dining. Uh, we got to open up dining for a couple of weeks, and we had to close down dining again. But we, you follow the CDC guidelines, the state of California guidelines, Placer County guidelines. Um, it really isn't that much different in the way to do business, except for you got to, you know, do your best to give your distancing when you can. Make sure everyone's healthy, and if anyone doesn't feel well, they go home right away. And if anyone tests positive, then we've had, you know, five or six stores shut down for 14 days. And just wait, and, and you know. So Could somebody tested positive. Uh, no, a lot of times it was somebody that knew somebody, right? Mm. Only one time did we have someone in the store test, test positive. Uh, you know what? That was funny because I looked at the thing today, and every single one of our stores was open today. Every one. I thought, wow, it's been the first time in a while. Yeah. <laughs> because originally people didn't know what they were going into, right? So some people shut down voluntarily, and we were going to say, no, you got to just stay open. You can't say that. Say, okay, well, you don't feel comfortable, then close your business. So today was the first day since this thing started that every single store was open. And it was exciting. It was Hell exciting yeah. that it's we exciting. were coming close to being back to normal. Nah, well, as normal as we could be. Yeah, not super normal, but as close as we're going to get. Yeah, <laughs> for, for now. Yeah. yeah. What do you? Uh, what kind of tip would you give somebody that has a business that's trying looking into licensing and franchising? Do you? What's the difference? Those that do not know, besides... Obviously, franchising, you got more control versus licensing. But what's which one do you prefer if you had a pick, and which one do you recommend? And give us a little lowdown about that. Uh, well, franchising, there's a lot to franchising. You have to do an audited financial every year with the state of California. You answer to the Department of Corporations. You answer to the Department of Business Oversight. You answer to the county. You answer to building. You answer to uh, health. You answer to OSHA. You answer to weights and measures, right? There's a lot of accountability there. And then every year, you have to do your uh, offering circular FDD and you have to redo it. And you have to submit it to the state. There's a lot of cost to franchising, a lot of cost. It could cost you $60,000 a year just to renew. And then you have to enforce your standards. So then you have to have your inspectors and you have to go out there and enforce your systems, dress code, cleanliness, procedures, uh, temperatures, the whole thing. Um, depending on the business, I, I'd say that there's ways to structure. Uh, I'm not a lawyer. And, and whatever, but there are ways to do the licensing. I don't know where California is with it because California could be more difficult. But when when I did it, there's there's ways to create revenue. But the problem with 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 licensing, in in my experience, is you can't enforce system standards. So if you gave someone your name, and all of a sudden they came in here wearing you know pink hats and 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 speedos with cowboy boots, they could do that. You have no say. You cannot say, take my name down. No, I, bought, I, I have the right to use your name. So you got to be careful of who you get involved with, right? Mm -hmm. and, and you can't, I don't know what, you know what all the rules are, but you certainly can't take a percentage of sales, but you could figure out other ways to drive revenue. Yeah, like have them pay annually, whatever. Yeah, you know, or you know, one, one of the things that I would do, right, is when I was doing it, I would kind of explain to somebody, hey, uh, you know, this is you know, how I make my money. And um, I need you to participate in these things because this is how I get paid. And if you choose not to, I can't make you not not. However, then I'll realize that you and me aren't friends and I want to be your friend. You know, I don't, you know, <laughs> you know I don't want to not be your friend. I, I want to work with you and I want to communicate with you. 
Mm-hmm. So that would be the difference is, you know, just always be real careful about who you do business with. And and as for uh, 2020, the rules always change with franchising and the rules always change with licensing. You know, food is one thing, service is another. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the service industry seems to have some pretty decent stuff going on. You know, I mean, but food is, is food's a, a different kind of animal. You know, I don't, it's a, it's a way of life. I tell people, I say, you know what, when you get involved with food, it's a different way to live your life. It's not better. It's not worse. Just different. You know? Why different? Why? Because you know what? You're dealing with things that have a shelf life of anywhere from, let's say, 15 minutes or 20 minutes if it's hot, right? Because when it's hot and it's not hot anymore, it's not the same, right? If you have a hot, melted pastrami, and then all of a sudden, 20 minutes later, it's not hot. That's a different product, right? And then, or toast. You know, a toast could be a minute and a half or three minutes, bread being baked. You have, you have a timeline of anywhere from three minutes. And then some of your stuff that you're, that you're baking or cooking or whatever, eh, it's rare that after you prep it, it's worth any more than two or three days. So th- there's always this timeline, tick, 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 tick. Now, the service industry, going there, bid the job, you have your cost of whatever equipment you're doing, and a lot of the money that you bid the job is for your time. Time-valued money. What's your time worth, right? So service industry is different as opposed to uh, the product industry, yeah. especially with food because of the expiration. So if you're, you know, I mean, there's always an envy when you're doing route sales, and that's to be the beef jerky guy or the sunglass guy. Because yeah. <laughs> you know what? No, I was like, Ah, where's the sunglass guy? I mean, unless it's a heat wave, right? There's not that huge sense of urgency. But, you're, I mean, sunglasses might go out of style because the style might change. But that'll take six months to a year. And the beef jerky can stay on the shelf for like three years, right? So you don't have this whole time bomb of time thing, right? No one's going to go nuts. Even the hostess guy. That hostess could be there for 14 days. People might be mad because it's not there. But there's no, like, the world's not burning, yeah. There's not this huge sense of urgency. If he gets stuck in traffic, you'll get your ding-dongs at 3 and not at 12. That's fine, right? But if he was delivering real sourdough bread from the oven, well, then that time's ticking because that only has 12 hours on it. So his sense of urgency. You know, I worked for the I, – I went to the apprenticeship for the San Francisco Chronicle yeah, to drive to fill up the machines. And the guy says, you have to understand that you are dealing with the, the most the, – the hottest – product that expires quicker than anything news said but by the time you get into that rack the new news cycle is being created but for the afternoon paper so you have no time you gotta have in that rack by five o'clock otherwise it's old news you're selling nothing so service is the way to go you make your money on the front end maybe you can i don't i don't know i i I, on a one-on-one basis i could advise somebody but on an overall thing i'd say if you're good at what you do, a plumber, um, an electrician, a roofer, an air conditioning guy, if you have great service, you'll always have work. Yeah. You know, my son today is working on a truck with my uh, nephew, learning how to do sprinkler installation for, um, uh, and for properties. And I said, you know what, Frank? I said, you know what everyone has in common? They all have sprinklers. I said, and it doesn't matter where the economy is, sprinklers break. You always have work. You always have work because everybody needs sprinkler work. And I said, so learn this craft. And regardless if you want to do it or not, at least it's something you can learn and you'll always have work. You'll never be without work if you can learn how to master irrigation sprinklers. sprinklers. Yep. 
I try to ask people what's their favorite restaurant here in Sacramento, but I don't know if that's fair to ask Mr. Pickles what his favorite restaurant. Are you going to say something else? No, not at all. My favorite restaurant uh, is Carmelitas. Carmelitas, yeah. Oh, my God. The, Which the one do you go to? The, go one to the one on, on Sunrise or the one on uh, Riverside? I go to the one on Riverside. That's our family restaurant. Yeah. You know, I mean. What do you have there? I get the crunchy uh, beef tacos mm-hmm. with uh, lettuce. It's it, it's our family restaurant. It's where we go and we after soccer, after baseball, after basketball, we sit around the table. We go for birthdays. We we all enjoy it. It's one. Yeah, of, I like Carmelitas. It's kind of our family restaurant. Yeah, I mean, I like the shrimp enchiladas there. Oh, and they're, and they're good people. Mm-hmm. Good and they people. have unique decor. <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the the steel plants and the 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 paintings and everything. It just feels homey. Yeah. And they're they're really good people. So you pay you pay close attention to the details. That's good. And everything, and you know they always make they always make you feel welcome. However, I mean I enjoy Outback because I like that thirty three hundred calorie blooming onion. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, tell me something about Frank that no one, not that many people know. Tell me something about you. Share something. Ooh, wow! That um um. I'm a dyslexic, and when it comes down to writing, almost an illiterate. I don't write so well. Really? Well, I don't. Like write know. meaning like your writing's ugly, or you can't spell type of writing. Like what do you mean by all above? Like Jethro Bodine. I, I, you know. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't write so well, and and the people think I'm kidding. I go, "Could you write that? I don't write so well." They're like, "Ah," and then I write it. They're like, "Whoa, okay." I probably write like um, a first grader. Yeah, I have ugly writing. Yeah. Also. I well, mean, my writing's ugly, but I think I could do pretty good when I write if I'm typing. I just my writing's ugly. Yeah, I don't. I'm a I'm severely dyslexic, mm-hmm. so I can't read because I can't comprehend. I I, I don't enjoy reading anyway. I'll do you know <laughs> books on tape or 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 watch the show. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> that, that's probably something that people don't know. Yeah. Anything you want to add to this before I end the podcast? Anything you want to talk about? Anything you want to say before I end it? No, just I, I appreciate being here. This is uh, my first podcast. I've seen them on uh, television. I listen to them. I mm. listen to some on franchising. And I I got to tell you, it's I really enjoyed it. I really appreciate it. No, thank you, man. I, I remember you had mentioned to me, when, hey, when are we going to do it? And I had you on the list. I just had to get to it, man. I, I really wanted to have you on here for a lot of reasons. And I think everyone that listened to this now can know why I wanted to have you on here. Right on. I thank you again for coming on. Thank you for sharing all your knowledge with me, not just now, but in the past. And thank you for always uh, being a good person to me, man. I will never forget. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, um, And Last thing I want to say, is there anything, if someone wanted, wants to get in contact with you or reach out to you how can someone get in contact with with you they can send me an email at frank at mrpickles.com mm-hmm. that's and, the easiest and, way and you know what if they want to talk to me about uh um business they want to talk to me about you sports talk about my beloved dallas cowboys i'm your guy <laughs> hey yeah i do remember you always talking about the damn cowboys all right man well thank you frank for joining us thank you for coming on thank you for sharing your knowledge And we out.